traditionally, the end user would choose aluminum because of its durability. That was a deciding factor in making the investment in an aluminum product, its long life. And even beyond durability, consumers are factoring in environmental concerns into their material choices. So they're looking at the overall carbon footprint of the products that they're choosing. And aluminum consistently performs better than other materials. Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Todd Miller of Isaiah Industries, manufacturer of specialty metal roofing and other building materials. And today, my co-host is our Vice President of Sales, Seth Heckeman. Behind the scenes, we have Ryan Bell. We really need a bell sound effect for that, don't we? And Ethan Young. So, Seth, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I was thinking the other day, I, I've told you a little bit, I have a lot of eccentric relatives in my family. I, I, I've, I've related to this. So I don't think I've ever told you about this one. Um, I have an eccentric uncle. He's actually in his 80s now. And uh, this guy has been collecting candy canes ever since he was a kid. Hundreds, thousands of candy canes he's collected. And it's really quite interesting to look at them all and how they've changed over the years. It's also really quite cool because they are all in mint condition. Okay, let's keep rolling. Our goal here at Construction Disruption is to provide timely and forward-looking information regarding the construction world. As part of that, we look at new innovations as well as trends and practices, building materials, the labor market, and leadership. Basically, if we pick up on something happening that's impacting construction or is being a disruptor today or we think it's going to be a disruptor in the future in construction or the remodeling industry, we go out, find ourselves some experts on the subject, and bring them to the show to spotlight their insight and knowledge. Today, I'm really excited. We're going to be taking a look at a material that is ever-present in our lives, and that is aluminum. Both inside and outside of our buildings, we all encounter aluminum on a regular basis, probably a lot more frequently than we realize. And today, to talk with us about the bright future of this strong but lightweight metal is Chuck Johnson, and we also have Ryan Rausch. Chuck is president and CEO of the Aluminum Association based in Washington, D.C., while Ryan is the chief operating officer of JW Aluminum, a leading producer of flat-rolled aluminum products that was started in 1979. Chuck and Ryan, welcome to Construction Disruption. It's a pleasure to have you as our guest today. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot, Todd. Great to be here. Well, thank you again for joining us. Well, Chuck, let's start with you. Can you share with us a little bit about the Aluminum Association? Perhaps tell us what its mission is and maybe what's keeping you guys busy these days. What are some of the initiatives and things you're always working on? Absolutely, Todd. The Aluminum Association is the trade association for the aluminum industry. We represent over 120 companies uh, who do business in North America, either producing or fabricating or selling into the North American market. And we provide a wide range of programs from product standards, metallurgical standards, to the statistical data that describes the industry. We do a lot of critical research and benchmarking, some of it very specific to the building and construction market. And then, of course, we represent the metal in all of our major markets, from consumer packaging to automotive to, of course, building and construction. 
Very good. I know I had uh, some work involvement with you folks several years ago uh, as part of my involvement with Metal Construction Association. And at that time, we were working on lobbying in D.C. for some of the energy bills and the initiatives to promote energy-efficient products. So we applaud you guys and thank you for your involvement in our industry. Ryan, tell us a little bit about JW Aluminum and uh, your capabilities there. Great. Yeah. First of all, thanks again for for having me. It's a it's a pleasure to speak with you today. So, um, you know, as you mentioned early on, JW Aluminum is a flat rolled aluminum products manufacturer. So, you know, starting from very very humble beginnings, almost forty years, well over forty years ago. Compare what we were doing forty years ago from a volume standpoint. We're about a tenth of the size we are today. So. So 40 years, over 40 years in business, we have two manufacturing locations in the U.S., uh, one in Goose Creek, South Carolina, which is roughly about 20 miles northwest of uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and we have one in Russellville, Arkansas, and which is about 80 miles northwest of, of Little Rock. So if you look at the products we produce, uh, we're primarily a building products manufacturer. We service, again, the building products industry, primarily residential. HVAC market and some non-automotive transportation. So if you really think about it, everything that even our non-automotive transportation business, you think of RVs and, and, and cargos, you're really still focused on some of the construction aspects of those of those markets. So so what sets us apart? You know, we have a highly engaged team here, strong, strong safety culture, company culture, and a continuous improvement, uh, commitment to continuous improvement, both from our processes standpoint. But equally as important, if not more important, from our individuals. So, so we're proud to be here. Again, thanks for thanks for having us on the show today. I was excited today when I read Chuck. I, I always read the Aluminum Association newsletter. You you can rest assured you got one person at least out there that's reading it. I'm sure there's many more. But yeah, I read today that aluminum demand year over year grew 5.3 percent in the first quarter of 2022. And that's on top of 8.2% growth in 2021. Those numbers seem awfully significant to me. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Do you see the, the American aluminum industry as being able to respond well to this ongoing growth? And it's, it's exciting times, it seems. Absolutely. You know, first of all, it is great to see this incredible demand response that we're seeing for the industry in North America. We're seeing it year over year, and we're seeing that it is due to multiple drivers and multiple markets, some of which we're going to discuss today in the building and construction market. But we're seeing as strong demand in automotive and in consumer packaging as well. So that demand picture is really robust and it seems to be very durable. And yeah, when you ask, you know, are, can the North American in, industry respond to this demand growth? Absolutely. We're seeing billions of dollars of investment in our industry today. We've seen announcements in the last six months totaling $3.2 billion uh, in new expansions in the aluminum industry in North America, most of that in flat roll product and in recycling infrastructure, but also in extrusion. So yes, we absolutely believe that the North American aluminum industry is poised to grow along with the demand growth that we're seeing in our major markets. Very good. Well, I can certainly say that American producers make the best metal out there. And, you know, we 
have bought very little offshore metal over the years, but we have a tiny bit. And almost invariably when we've done that, uh, we've been like, why did we do that again? We, you know, we just did it when we absolutely had to, to meet our needs, but there's nothing that beats the American producers, no doubt about it. Now, I consistently say that North America is one of the best places in the world for the aluminum industry to do business. We produce the some of the cleanest and some of the highest quality aluminum products in the world. And we have the data to prove that. It's excellent. So I will say what really kind of caught my ear and motivated me to ask you folks to come on construction disruption was a recent study that the Association Commission from John Burns Real Estate Consulting that predicts that aluminum usage in the residential building and construction or BNC market uh, will grow by 34 to 51 percent just by 2024. That's really huge growth. I'm, I'm curious, did those numbers and that sort of projection surprise you folks? This study told us some of what we already knew as an industry, and it did surprise us in a few places. The building and construction market has consistently, for three decades, been one of the top three markets by volume for aluminum in North America. And we had every expectation that that would continue into the future, and we saw strong demand growth. Uh, but I would say, you know, 34 to 51% is a lot. And it was great to see and to document some of the micro trends that are driving this market forward. There's a whole basket of consumer trends that are driving this. I think we'll get into them more in, in a moment. But some of the sustainability items surprised us a little bit because they're growing quickly in the building and construction market. Yeah. And then, of course, factoring in the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that has just been passed, that's going to provide a deep well of demand for aluminum over the course of at least 10 years. And so those two things together are sort of a perfect storm in this market. We were really happy to see it. And we were both reassured by the study and also surprised in a few places. Oh, that's good stuff. And we were excited to see it, too. I mean, we, uh, as a metal roofing manufacturer, we are one of the few who consistently produce more aluminum product every year than we do any other metal. So we're, we're strong believers in, in aluminum and in particular for roofing and, and other areas of the building envelope. Kind of curious, what were some of the key product groups where aluminum is projected to grow significantly. I remember reviewing the report. I actually printed it out and forgot to bring it here uh, to the recording studio, but kind of curious, what were some of the key product groups you recall that uh, that study really pointed to? So, yeah, the, the study was commissioned and like Chuck said, really pleased to see the, what I think the industry had been looking at and seeing, stay in contact with our customers for some time, but, but the, the growth projections were very, very encouraging. Uh, but the study itself really focused on the aluminum re and residential building products. So if you, if you look at the primary end uses in residential building products, you know, you have stuff that you see every day on your homes. You know, you have your trim coil, you have your gutters, downspouts, siding, you know, residential roofing. So it really focused on those end uses primarily within, within the study. And you know, I think one of the biggest bright spots for me, and, and I think we've been seeing this as well, is, is the fact that the repair remodel market is really what is tend to driving, driving that growth going forward. And really what that relates back to is, is if you look at the aging of the housing stock. So you have almost 25 million homes entering what we call and what John Burns calls the prime remodeling years. So those homes that are either newly built or had major renovation projects 20 to 39 years ago, so 1985 to 2005, which is 
obviously the start of some of the first boom we saw, we're seeing some of the, the housing stock in that category approaching that 20 million unit figure by 2025. So if you look at that, that study, you can draw some quick correlations to, to see the growth in demand for residential building products. And, you know, obviously the inherent benefits in, in, in the product itself, you know, it's, it's a green product. It's, it's highly recyclable, durable, energy efficient. So all that combined is really driving the results that you're seeing, I think, out of the study and those gross examples through 2024, even beyond. Very good. You know, one thing I was kind of reminded of as I've thought about aluminum in construction, um, this goes back 30 years ago, I would occasionally get a call from a guy named Freddie in Brooklyn, Freddie Sheet Metal. And he, part of the projects he did was cladding or recladding the exterior walls of mechanical rooms and penthouses up on top of not high rises, but four or five, six story buildings. And he would come to us to buy an aluminum wall panel for those. And his whole reason was the projects were small. There was no way that it merited the cost of a crane to get materials up there. So he's having to carry the materials up stairwells and sometimes on elevators to get up to the rooftop. And he loved the fact that the aluminum product was lower weight than anything else he could be using to clad those, uh, those rooms full with up there. And so it's just really interesting when you look at the unique merits of aluminum, some of the things that it can lend itself to so much better than any other material out there. So as we think though about this growth and I'm sure that the Aluminum Association, when you folks uh, have your your meetings, you know, you're talking about competitive products and things out there. What are some of the competitive products that you think aluminum has the opportunity to replace uh, in construction? Let me start with, with that, if you don't mind. So, you know, I think it's, I, I'll even say we're, we're actually actively, myself, as the Roush family, we're sort of putting our money where our mouth is. We've we're actually replacing wood horizontal fencing in our house uh, here in Charleston this week. We see it when you compare the substrate itself to like, you know, wood as an example. It's non-corrosive, it's fire resistance. And if you look at vinyl as an, another example, you know, it's more durable. It doesn't warp. Compared to vinyl, the sustainability story is much greater when you're looking at aluminum as a substrate. We see very creative ways of using aluminum as a replacement substrate and all sorts of all applications. And, and to that point, we're personally we're actually doing our own fence. So we're we're excited about you know what the what the future holds for the for the substrate itself and, and I think time will tell what other what other competing products that it replaces in the future. That's awesome. Is the fence a, an extruded product or? It is not. It is uh, actually the installer told me it's one of a kind for this area. It's a rolled product application. It looks exactly like a horizontal wood fence. So, so we're excited about it. We're, we're going to showcase it a little bit in our neighborhood. We're pretty excited about it, but obviously my, all my neighbors know that I'm a aluminum guy. So it's, they sort of anticipate that happening. <laughs> and Todd, Very I would cool. say that, you know, what Ryan is seeing in the marketplace in, in terms of replacing other materials, we're seeing across the industry. And I think traditionally, the end user would choose aluminum because of its durability. That was a deciding factor in making the investment 
uh, in an aluminum product. It's long life. More and more, we're seeing that that durability is directly translating into environmental concerns. And even beyond durability, consumers are factoring in environmental concerns into their material choices. So they're looking at the overall carbon footprint of the products that they're choosing. And aluminum consistently performs better than other materials when you look at those factors. You know, I, I think that's interesting. I remember several years ago, we uh, sold a job, a roof over in Columbus, Ohio. And we typically had always promoted a lot about the aesthetics of our products. And these particular homeowners made it very clear after the job was done, they couldn't have cared less what it looked like. They really liked the green story of aluminum. And that was entirely what drove their purchase. And, you know, 15 years ago when that happened, that seemed rather unique. But I, we are hearing that more and more often where folks are coming to us looking for the right environmental choice. And Ryan, I hope we get to see your fence headlining the Aluminum Association newsletter here shortly. So I remember a trade show. Were you at that with me, Seth, where we were at a trade show and Caddy Corner from us, there was someone showing aluminum fencing. Wasn't that long. It really, you were around, I promise, but you may not have been at that particular show. We've been to a lot of shows together too. Well, so I'm trying, I'm trying to remember. But. We, we have done a few miles together. That's for sure. So I know we've talked about the, you know, the green benefits, the environmental benefits of aluminum. What are some of the other factors that are really kind of contributing this growth? And I'd almost call it a renaissance of sorts in terms of the use of aluminum in construction. We love at the association to rise above the anecdotal. And so what we saw in the study that we conducted were four major trends. First, there's a big shift towards suburban living and contemporary commercial projects. And what we're seeing there that as we shift towards higher density living and more low maintenance modern design, we're seeing more glazing, which translates into more aluminum intensive fenestration and more use of non-traditional materials. And that leads to the use of more aluminum. And so at the end of the day, that's more aluminum cladding, windows and doors. The second trend we're seeing is a trend towards modular construction, including the increased use of accessory dwelling units. Modular construction is an ideal use for aluminum products. The high strength to weight ratio of aluminum and the ability to produce high precision construction components make it an ideal use in this area. So as we see an increase in modular construction, we're going to see an increased use of aluminum there. As we said before, we've seen a lot of aluminum substitution for vinyl in replacement and remodeling. And I think we've already talked about that a good bit, but that's part of a larger trend in a, in a wave of aging roofing that we'll see between now and the 2025 timeframe. And those taken together translate into a lot of flat roll product on a lot of roofs out in the world. So those are the four trends we're seeing that we've really documented within this work. And I think Ryan's probably seeing some things in the marketplace. I think that's exactly right. If you, if you talk about roofing, you if you replace a roof, if you re, obviously we all hope it's going to be aluminum roof, but if it's if any roof replacement, you know, generates ancillary activity with other end uses within the space, right? So if you're replacing sure. a roof, you're typically putting new gutters and downspouts on the roof, soffit and fascia go on the application. So it's so that aging of housing stock is critical and the single biggest contributor to the growth factors in our space. So we're we're absolutely excited about it. As Chuck said, we're absolutely prepared for it from a demand standpoint, and we're we're excited to see it come. Yeah, that's very exciting, and and I know you'd mentioned the use of windows and glazing, and even that 
study that you folks released um, had some beautiful imagery there of glass walls that had a lot of aluminum glazing on them and things. And, oh, man, it's it just just beautiful. We uh, we had a guest on the uh, show a while back who was a gentleman by the name of George Smart. And George Smart is a huge fan of modernist architecture. And I know that those glass walls and things, I think we touched on with him. He was just fascinated by by what's happening. And, and it's interesting too, when you mentioned the ADUs, I hadn't really thought about that um, as far as the use of, of aluminum as an ideal material for offsite construction and modular type units. Um, makes a lot of sense because of its low weight, high strength ratio and uh, all the other benefits that then go with it in the completed project. I know we have long touted the energy efficiency of aluminum as a roofing material and certainly as a wall material, wall covering as well. Are you seeing much where folks are really trying to explore or dig into how aluminum can contribute to the energy efficiency of, of structures? What we're seeing, Todd, is an increase in the sophistication in the systems that people use to document and benchmark and measure energy efficiency in the built environment. And so you're seeing this with whole building uh, management systems. Uh, You're seeing it built into the green building code. Essentially, we're getting smarter about the way we document energy efficiency. And as we document it and as we measure it, there are many applications for aluminum that are coming out ahead. We tend towards the highly engineered end of the market in the markets that we perform in. And in the built environment, what that translates into is a lot of very well thought out, very well executed, highly engineered products that are designed to be more energy efficient. And so it is built into the nature of our product that we are replacing, I would say, less engineered, more traditional, and in many cases, not necessarily as energy efficient a product. But again, as I started out saying, it's really the trend towards documentation and rigorous measurement of energy efficiency that's lending itself towards the change in product selection. You know, I'm glad to hear that in terms of, you know, some improved alloys and technology and and enhancements to the metal to give it additional properties and better properties. You know, one of the things that we have often noted with aluminum on the building envelope is because of its structural integrity, once it's formed, you can do a lot in terms of developing thermal breaks and so forth that are, you know, hugely beneficial from an energy standpoint. I remember a number of years ago, uh, I had the VP of sales of one of the leading North American aluminum producers in my office. And, you know, he was telling me about so many of the exciting things, you know, in those stages, it was pretty early that were happening in automotive. And, you know, he commented, this probably is going to be an ongoing future of the aluminum industry would be toward the automotive sector. And, you know, one of the things that went through my mind was, you know, why can't we bring some of those enhancements to alloys and things over to building products? And, you know, that's partly our job, obviously, to work with the aluminum industry and engineer and develop products and then, you know, be able to go out and sell products that are cost effective in the market. Where do things stack up in terms of overall goals of the Aluminum Association? Is is automotive still fairly high or is, is BNC raising? Or and I don't mean to compare them necessarily, but I'm just kind of curious where that all falls. It's fair to ask. And what I would say is that the Aluminum Association represents aluminum. We are market agnostic. 
All of our members are exposed. When you take our members in the aggregate, they are producing the metal that goes into all three of these major markets. And look, there are a lot of sub-markets. Uh, we do a lot of work in wire rod and bar, for instance, including the wire that goes into our energy grid. And there's a lot of talk about that these days. But for these three major markets, yes, there's a lot of exciting things going on. There's a lot of innovation. We're in a transformative time for the automotive market, for instance. Uh, what we're seeing there is that we are just at the beginning stages of a transformation away from the internal combustion engine and towards battery electric vehicles. And what we're documenting there is that future vehicles are going to be designed again with as much or more aluminum than they have today. But it's an exciting time because it's a time of flux. We're seeing some of that change in the building and construction industry. We're also seeing interesting trends in the packaging market where consumer preferences are shifting. I'm sure you're aware there's a major shift and backlash against single-use plastic in the consumer realm, and that's driving increased use of aluminum as a beverage container material of choice. So all three of these markets are important. We address them in different ways, but we focus on them all equally. You mentioned earlier the exciting news, what you've seen uh, recently. What was it? $3.2 billion worth of investment going into the industry. I'm curious, was that, uh, you know, remind us of that figure, but then was that pretty evenly distributed across those three sectors or did it seem to be focused in, in one of those markets more than the others? Well, we are seeing some focuses there. In the announcements and the, and the capital investment discussions, there's a focus first on the upstream. There's a huge demand, as Ryan can attest, there is a huge demand in the market today for recycled aluminum. Green preferences are driving that material choice. And the fastest and best way to make the aluminum sector greener is to increase our recycled content. And that's true across the board. We're a growing industry. We will always need more primary material. But over 80% of the metal that's used in, that was used in 2021 in this industry was recycled metal. And not a lot of people know that. Now, to your question, as I said, there's a lot of, we're seeing growth in all three of our major markets. And so that upstream investment in recycling is expected to impact all three major markets. Uh, but for instance, a major new rolling mill that is focused on the automotive and can sheet sector was just announced earlier this year. And that will be automotive and can sheet focused. But what that does is it frees up a lot of other flat rolled capacity to service the building and construction market. So it's a rising tide that, that lifts all boats. But I think the major change, and Ryan can probably attest to this, is that consumers are changing the way they approach the idea of recycled content and their demands for recycled content. If you look at the building and construction products only, the, the primary alloy has a outstanding sustainability recycling story. Most of the flat rolled aluminum products that, that go into the building and construction space contain over 90% recycled content. So it, it, it becomes an education story, right? We see that driving consumer behavior, but it becomes an education story as an industry in general to really you know, put out of the benefits of the substrate and the, and the alloy is a sustainable alloy. And to Chuck's point, it's, you know, there is a lot of best investment in the space. You know, JW Aluminum alone in 2018 announced over $200 million expansion in the Charleston area. And that expansion is, is focused on the building and construction space and non-commercial transportation space. So, so there, yeah, there is investment there. I think the, the industry is poised for additional investment and the demand profile for our products support that. So, so we're excited about it. Our technology is improving. The response from our customers as a result of the, of the investment has been great. Couldn't ask for any better support from the customer in the market. 
So we're excited. But yeah, you are seeing a lot of investments support this incremental demand. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, for leading the industry forward and making that investment. And certainly on our end, or where we stand in the supply chain, it certainly is exciting for us and encouraging. So yeah, and Chuck, definitely understand your point. Capacity is capacity at this point. So investment anywhere is, is going to help. Sure. I uh, love the story of aluminum. It's got an incredible story and facts about it. And you know, interesting. It has its roots here. And I think Oberlin or Ohio or someplace over in uh, the Columbus area with uh, some of the original development of how to make aluminum out of bauxite, which is a pretty cool part of the story as well. But I've been at this so long. I have so many stories, don't I, Seth? I'm sorry. So, you know, 40 years ago, you know, we were using high recycled content alloys and still do. And, you know, back then there was a period of time when I almost didn't talk about it because it was seen as a negative or possibly that meant inferior quality. I, I remember contractors would sell against us by saying, well, you know, they're using a recycled metal. Every time it rains, you're going to smell beer outside your house. I mean, <laughs> literally, literally folks would say things like that. So it's been so neat over those 40 years to see that flip and see that now people actually care about doing the right things. And, you know, we can talk about the, the green benefits of, of aluminum. So I'm kind of curious. We think a lot of our audience um, here on Construction Disruption is younger folks who are entering the construction or design world. And, you know, they may be looking for their place in the world. What are some of the areas in the aluminum industry where you would see some exciting career and job opportunities coming up in future years? Because as you've alluded, it's much higher tech than it was 40, 50 years ago. You know, I love that you asked that question because I love getting out and working with our workforce and for our workforce, because that's really who makes the industry. Uh, year over year, by the way, our industry has been largely stable in the United States. We, produce, we directly employ around 164,000 Americans with wow. good paying jobs. That's a study that we produce every two years. That same study showed us in 2022 that our industry, uh, first, we employed that 164,000 workers. We indirectly supported an additional 470,000 workers. We are a major part of the U.S. economy in the aggregate. Those positions on average are higher paying jobs than general manufacturing in the United States. Overall, the industry supports 176 billion in economic output. So it's a great segment of the industry, of industry overall to work in. Good paying, stable, and exciting because of what we're doing these days in the sustainability field. Now, taking the long view, the aluminum jobs in the United States have essentially stayed flat over the years, but they've moved. Uh, there's been a major shift in the United States from primary production into semi-fabrication. And so the nature of these jobs has changed in the last 20 or 30 years. That's testament to the continued innovation and resiliency of this industry. And so because we've seen declines in some places, but we've seen increases in others. So overall, this is a stable, great paying and innovative and dynamic industry for young people to look at. It gets overlooked too often. Not enough people know about aluminum and aluminum story. And we are doing a better job today, but we will do a better job in the future of getting out and telling that story. Well, I think it's fantastic. And there are a lot of opportunities, whether it's very uh, working on lines type thing or up into very high tech type positions. Uh, the, the opportunities are out there. And uh, 
It's a great industry. We thank you guys for your work supporting it and encouraging it. Well, we are getting close. This has been great. We are close to the end of our time here, and I appreciate you guys' time so much. We do do something here on construction disruption toward the end of every episode that is kind of to be a little bit fun. Um, We do something called our rapid-fire questions. Now, these are seven questions that may range from serious to silly. All you got to do is give your quick answer. Um, The way we'd work this is we'll ask a question and you both would answer if you're willing to participate. And our audience needs to understand that if Chuck and Ryan agree to this, they don't have a clue what we're going to ask. So have to ask you both, are you up to the challenge of rapid fire? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. I don't know what I would do if someone said no, so I, I appreciate you going along with it. <laughs> so we're going to alternate asking your questions. Um, Seth, why don't you start? Question number one. Think back to your childhood. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, astronaut. Oh, awesome. Professional baseball player. Man, you kind of got that baseball look to you. I could see that. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, question number two. Well, you may have just answered question number one here, Ryan, but if you are participating in the Olympics, what event would you be in? Pole vault. Mm, Definitely track and field, probably sprints. Awesome. All right, question number three. It's a favorite question of ours. Uh, If you had to eat a crayon, what color would you choose? Purple. Purple. Okay. Red, it would look like a wound. (laughs) (laughs) oh okay here's one of my favorite questions we do ask on occasion and and seth and i have a inherent disagreement on the answer to this question top or bottom half of the bagel top i would say top see see i like the top half i'm definitely an outlier on this one (laughs) we're learning every episode i bet says is a are you a plain bagel eater because those of us who like everything bagels want all the toppings yeah, that's the uh, rationale most of the time when we get the answer. So, yes, I am plain, and the the bottom has the perfect ratio of crunch and fluff for me. I, yeah. I like that. So. Of course, of course, my thing is those very unhealthy cinnamon crunch bagels at Panera. You know, that's got all the cinnamon and sugar yeah, and everything, healthier. and it's all on the top. <laughs> there you go. All right, next question. What is your favorite item, other than your aluminum fence, that you have purchased in recent memory? Outdoor fireplace, and you can look it up. It's called a Bushbeck. I got it with the aluminum trim. Oh, Bush. What was that? Bushbeck. It's a California American-made outdoor stone fireplace with metal trim. I am very cool. Gonna check that out. I hate to say it, but it's uh, it's we we did install a swimming pool. So with with four kids, it's a great uh, it's a great babysitter. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. We did that a few years ago. Now I now I have to just maintain this pool every year for no particular reason. <laughs> uh, let's see. My turn, huh? What foreign language would you like to learn? Farsi. Farsi. Interesting. Well, I would be close. Uh, my significant other is Punjabi, and so that's almost not even a foreign language. I should be learning what my in-laws speak. I, I was going to say, yeah, you got a little bit of a requirement there. <laughs> All right. Very good. Last question. Finally, when you're gone from this earth, what would you like to be remembered for? So I think it's, it's simple for me. It's the three H's. Humble, hardworking, and honest. Good stuff. I'd say the people that I mentored. Powerful. Great answers. Yeah, one of them, let's say, is a little bit of uh, Dave Ramsey, I think, correct? The three H's? That's right. I think he teaches that. Yeah, good stuff. 
Well, this has been great, guys. Thank you very much. Um, very informative. Real pleasure to uh, spend some time with you. Is there anything we haven't covered today that you'd like to share with our audience, uh, either or both of you? I think for me, it's just we, we talked about the powerful story of, of the building products alloy and, and the rolled product space. And it's just the continued education of architects, homeowners, builders on those characteristics of the, of the product itself. Yeah, and Very I would good. just say I would encourage all of your listeners to never stop innovating. The built environment is such an incredibly innovative space if we let it be. Never doing the same job exactly the same, never doing it twice exactly the same. is It's just a great thing to provide consumers with a built environment that they're going to live and work in. And it's, it's no great shakes that when you innovate, it leads you to aluminum. Wow. Wise words. And I love that. And you know, that's something that comes up a lot here on the show. I know when when I was growing up in the days of 1970s tract housing, you didn't think much about doing things innovatively. You were just trying to build houses and throw them up as quick as you could. But it's really neat how we see that changing and even how HGTV culture is, uh, you know, changing the built environment as well. So good stuff. So if folks wanted to get in touch with you guys, how would they most easily do that? Email is the best for me. It's, it's simply ryanroush at jwaluminum.com. Best way to contact me. And I would say first and foremost, for anyone who wants to learn more about aluminum in any of our major markets, please go to www.aluminum.org. There's a wealth of information there, including the study that we discussed today. And I am personally always available at cjohnson at aluminum.org. Fantastic. And you're right. Great website the association has. I, I'm probably on it once or twice a week um, trying to find something. So uh, kudos to you guys. Well, thank you both again for joining us today. This has been great. Very informative. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. And I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in to this episode of Construction Disruption with Chuck Johnson of the Aluminum Association and Ryan Rausch of JW Aluminum. Please watch for future episodes of our podcast. We always have more great guests on tap. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. And until our next episode, change the world for someone, make them smile, encourage them. Two powerful things that we can all easily do to change the world. In the meanwhile, until our next episode, God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off. Until the next episode of Construction Disruption.